The Free for All Roundtable. Round two. On round two, Jason Agnew is here from News Talk 1010 and the trivia show on Sunday morning. Patrick Brown is the mayor of Brampton. Toronto lawyer Karima Sad is here as well. Good morning to y'all. Any superstitious people on the panel this morning? No, yes. Are you kidding? My name's Jason. It's my day. Is it? Oh, you know, Friday the 13th. I got it. I got it, Mr. Voorhees. Okay, so, see, I can remember the name, the, the family name of Jason Voorhees. I can't remember the name of some of the people I'm talking with some days. Uh, new security measures in place around buildings that are seen to be, uh, you know, housing Jewish establishments, community centers, synagogues, that sort of thing. Uh, let me actually go to Patrick Brown. I imagine the same thing is true in your town in Brampton. It is. You know, the Peel police are taking extra precautions, and I, I certainly think they should. I, I think there's a heightened level of concern right now, and we want to make sure that every Canadian, regardless of their faith, feels safe. And so I think it's entirely appropriate, and I'm glad that, you know, major police forces are all doing this. Okay, and I should apologize for calling Brampton a town. Uh, Karima Sad, your thoughts? Uh, it's a precautionary approach in light of what's happening worldwide geopolitically makes sense. Um, I do know that the Toronto police chief indicated for the foreseeable future, this is what we can expect to see and encounter. Um, and, you know, I just hope that common sense and humanity prevails and this ends up being an unnecessary precaution. Yeah. And, you know, guts and intuition don't really matter when you're concerning a public health threat or not a public health threat, but a public security threat. But Jason Agnew, the city doesn't have the vibe of a place under some kind of lockdown. No, it, it definitely doesn't. Um, however, you know, with all the cultures that we have here, Toronto can act as a microcosm of the world, both in a good way and in a bad way. And this is precautionary, as both of the other panelists have said, and I have no issue with this. I think it's a great move by all of these uh, police departments. Canadians in Gaza are complaining that they can't get out of Gaza in order to evacuate from the Middle East. Uh, Karima, I'll come to you first on this one. Uh, several hundred Canadians, some of them visiting, some of them working, studying, whatever, um, would like to get out, but they can't. Uh, are your sympathies with those people who can't escape? Of course, this is a very serious situation. We know that there have been evacuation planes flying out from Tel Aviv, but that people who are in Gaza or the West Bank aren't able to access that airport. So I'm hopeful that Canadian officials at least make the request or ensure some form of safe passage. Otherwise, we risk treating our own citizens as second class. And Jason Agnew, arguably the people who are in Gaza are much more in the line of fire than a lot of the Canadians who have already fled from Israel. Yeah, no doubt, John. Um, but this is something that, you know, we do look to the government to do. And uh, I think it's the right thing to do. So again, no objections here. This makes complete sense. This is where money should be spent. If it needs to be spent, spend it here. Let's get these people back and safe. Okay. And Patrick Brown, no distinguishing between, you know, where somebody lives and whether or not they should get government assistance. No, there, there certainly should be safe passage for Canadians fleeing uh, a, a war a war scene. So, you know, the Canadian government has a very strong relationship with the Israeli government, and I hope they can negotiate this to make sure Canadians are safe. 
Uh, Randall Denley, a columnist in the National Post, writes today, Doug Ford is politically done. His party needs to tell him that. And Karima Sad, I'll start with you on this one. I, I think sometimes columnists write about how they wish things were rather than having a completely sort of scintillating take on how things are. Because I know Ford's in trouble, but I don't think he's reached the point where he needs to you know, pull the fire alarm. Well, maybe this is, you know, I, I, there have been calls for his resignation, certainly from the opposition for quite some time. And the, the column really hones in on the criminal investigation and the stigma that that's going to bring. And whatever the outcome of the Greenbelt RCMP investigation, maybe there are charges, maybe there aren't. Um, but this has really tarred Doug Ford's image. And so preemptively resigning to allow someone else to get a foothold may be a politically wise move, but uh, I don't know how much political wisdom there is in the PC party. The columnist writes, the PCs can look forward to nearly three years of treading water followed by an election that will be tough to win. Patrick Brown, you used to lead this party. What's your take? Well, I think it's premature to write his political uh, obituary. I, there was times during COVID where his numbers were were low, and um, you know he came back with a with a larger majority. So he's got a bit of a Teflon nature to him that is being uh, tested right now. Um, but you know we're a long way away from the next election, and so I think these articles that are speculative are are, are definitely. Uh, premature, and you know the opposition parties are still in a in a large part in in, in disarray. And um, you know, it, it, don't forget the Liberal Party in Ontario doesn't even have official party status. Yeah, or a leader at the moment, uh, Jason. John, let me pull from something that I do on the weekend here. So on Sunday morning trivia, I do a category called flashback, and it is the headlines of one year ago that I have done on the show one year ago. It is the worst category for people to play because they absolutely forget things from one year ago. So with something like that in mind, the recency bias plays in here. We are, what, two years away from an election? Yep. A lot of this is going to be forgotten for has a lot of time to recover here. Plus, let's face it, he's got a lot of charisma. And actually, I think it's two and a half years until the next election. Okay, so let's remain in the uh, speculative parlor game of talking about politicians and probabilities and possibilities. A new poll says that Canadians think Pierre Polyev would handle Donald Trump better than Justin Trudeau. Let me start with Jason Agnew on this one. I think people forget that Trudeau handled Trump pretty well. We got a free trade deal. Also, this is not going to happen. Trump has had his day. It's come and gone at this point. Uh, so I don't believe this is ever going to happen. So this is kind of a, a, a non-issue and, and, you know, just not even a topic here. As far as how he would deal with them, um, yeah, Trudeau did okay. I, I, I mean, Trump is just off his rocker. <laughs> Patrick Brown, I agree with Jason that I don't think Donald Trump has a pathway to resuming the presidency. But still, do you think that Pierre Polyev would be the better opponent? Well, he just say in the United States, you never know. You yeah. never know what's going to happen in a in, in an election. You know, John Diefenbaker used to say that polls are for dogs, and if you ask an odd polling question, sometimes you can get an, an odd response. Um, so, you know, this may just highlight Canadians being frustrated with Trudeau right now, not necessarily, you know, who actually would be a better person to confront uh, a potential U.S. president. Kareem Assad? 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, be as confident in discounting the possibility of Trump, just given what happened in, in 2016. Obviously, we're in different circumstances, but you never know. Um, the question itself, how, how would they handle, um, you know, th- that's even open to interpretation. And Pierre Polyev, maybe there's more alignment. So handling is easier if there's less disagreement. But I, I overall would say that, you know, Trudeau did a, a fine, okay job. Yeah, I, I would say dealing with Trump, it's kind of like dealing with bears. Don't engage. Uh, <laughs> the man accused and on trial, uh, he's accused of murdering four members of a Muslim family in London. He's on trial currently in Windsor. He actually took the sta- stand yesterday, which is highly irregular because it means the Crown can cross-examine him, and that's going to happen soon. Uh, but he described uh, a horrible childhood where he was raised, he was homeschooled, everything was about the Bible. Uh, when he had concerns about about his mental health, his mother said dismissed them. Karima, I'll start with you. You're a lawyer. Um, are you any more sympathetic to this man? Because I think the defense strategy is tr- to try and minimize his sentence. I don't think they're trying to get him off. Well, and, and this is so common in lots of criminal cases where it's tragic, whatever angle you parse it from. Um, the criminal justice system is basically just traumatized people traumatizing other people. So none of this is a shock to learn. Um, you know, the patterns of radicalization, it sounds like he grew up in an echo chamber, didn't have access to mental health. These are all going to be relevant factors um, for sentencing. Jason Agnew, um, it's, it's a pretty horrible upbringing, but... <laughs> That doesn't mean that, you know, you're any less responsible for the fact that you allegedly climbed behind the wheel of a uh, pickup truck and ran a whole bunch of people down to kill them. Yeah, this makes me want to vomit in my own mouth, John. I mean, this is this this style of defense. I, I can't imagine being the lawyer that has to defend this person. And I use person in the lightest sense of the word here. Uh, yeah, okay, you had a bad upbringing. It just, I don't care. You don't, don't kill people. Don't run innocent people down and end their lives and affect everyone around them. And there is one uh, young man, I believe, that survived this from the family. And now what is he going to grow up? with it's it's awful everything is awful about this patrick brown it's interesting that they're bringing this all to bear because i again i don't think it's going to convince a jury to find the guy innocent and it's the judge who's going to decide on the sentence yeah no it's a it's a heinous uh, hate crime and i hope uh, that uh, the canadian judicial system has enough integrity that this person this and i and you know, is a person monster is is made an example of, and so we can, you know, really show that in this country um, there are real consequences for acts as, as as heinous as the one that happened in London. There is a video making the rounds on social media of what is alleged to be Bigfoot. Bigfoot, or whatever it was, was spotted from a train. Somebody pulled out their camera and captured it. And uh, you know, Patrick Brown, I'll start with you. I, what I find most compelling, and maybe I overthink almost everything, but I think we live in an era without mystery now. And so Bigfoot was fanciful, but this is probably going to be debunked very quickly. And they're doing a forensic, you know, they're doing a scan of the Loch Ness in order to find the Loch Ness monster. And again, I think they're not going to find anything because in this highly technological world, this sort of mystery fantasy doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, you, 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 you hope so, but I have to say at the same time, we also live in an, in an era where there's more um, 
parade of misinformation than ever before. And people will go to great lengths to doctor um, uh, things on the internet. And, you know, there'll be huge amounts of the population that view it as, as, as credible. And even when the correction or, or uh, is, is highlighted, people won't even see the correction. Yeah, Karima said, somebody said, oh, it's clearly a hunter. And then somebody said, yeah, well, there's no gun. I mean, we're, we're Zapruder filming this. <laughs> yeah, the, the video itself, um, uh, it, it could be someone in a costume from so far away. It could be a real thing. Who knows? Um, and uh, to add to the point about misinformation with AI and technology advancing in those ways, the mystery may not be completely dead. Um, but, you know, that that's my take. Jason Agnew, it might have been a Gorilla Glue commercial. John, you know what I think this is? Obviously, this is uh, the aliens had abducted Bigfoot years ago, and now they have brought Bigfoot back to Earth, and we're seeing him again. And it's really neat. I think that it brings everything together full circle. Thank you all very much on a Friday morning. Jason Agnew, Patrick Brown, and Karima Sad. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.